Okay, today is Wednesday, February 26th. This is the women's Chumash here. We're up to Bereshit Perak Yutet Pasuk Hey. Okay, Rabotai. We are up to Parshat Vayera, Perak Yutet. And we're going to begin today, Pasuk Hey. And we are going to see three different approaches to the uh, last to the uh, request that is being made of uh, of Lot. The pasuk states, "Vayikru Elot," and all of the people, virtually the entire township, as we pointed out last week, called out to Lot, having surrounded the house. Vayomru Lo, and they said to him. <coughs> Where are those people who came to your house tonight? Please take them out. And we will get to know them. So there are three interpretations of And when you have a word that is not uh, readily identifiable by the context here it is the style of virtually all of the parshanim to look elsewhere in Tanakh and to see how that word is used and we are going to see um, three other uses in Tanakh we're going to see and therefore some will interpret it one way and others will interpret it in a, a different way. So we will start with the most common interpretation. Um, if you, as we always do, we start with Rashi. Says Rashi in Pasuk Hey, bimishkav zachar, homosexual relationships. That's what they were looking for. Um, that is if you take your sheet number 99 Aaron Judge so you have to know that right now we are in the boring season of sports there's no NFL Major League Baseball has not started yet the Knicks there's nothing to watch they lose all the time and the Rangers are making a move but uh, so this, they only play two three times a week so this is in anticipation that all of the players are at minor league training in Florida now. So this is called the exhibition season. So we put down Yankee numbers because we're looking forward to the end of March when the regular season starts. Starts, And hopefully we will not get any more bad news about the Yankees. What? <laughs> Okay. So if you take a look at the sheet, on the right hand side on the top, you have Rashbam. And the Rashbam said, same thing, Mishkav Zachor. And he tells you where he got it from. V'chein b'pilegesh b'giva. I'm going to show you that pasuk. We're going to make, study that unit completely as all of the modern day scholars and even Parshanim see the comparisons but first I want to learn a couple of more psukim here to get the full picture and then see the full picture there and notice the similarities and differences so um, Rashbam says yes yes says the Maharam on the bottom of the page Maharam Homosexual relations. El Uminolon. How did Rashi know this? Pirish Hakuntris is Rashi. I'll tell you what it means in a minute. It says in the Pasuk we just read. Um Uksiv hasam gabe pilegesh begiva hotsei et haish asheba el beitecha v'neida enu. So the word neida is similar. V'zeh mairi 
B'mishkav Zachar. And that was talking about homosexual relationships. So he also says that. On the bottom of the page, on the right-hand side, Chizkuni, Vineda Otam Lemishkav, having relations. On the left-hand side of the page, Ibn Ezra, Vineda Otam, Kinui Lishchiva. It's a, another way of saying going to bed. Shiva is to lie down in bed. So all of these um, commentaries, and many of them Pashtanim. Rashbam is a Pashtan, doesn't quote a Medrash. Ibn Ezra rarely quotes a Medrash. Um, Cheskuni is pretty much a Pashtan. So these people are claiming that according to the simple Pshat of the Pasuk, that's what um, these people in Sdom are now making a request. So if you just go for a second to page 25... Mr. Torres, Yankee shortstop. So I, I hope I hope his 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 gestalt is flashing in front of you now. The Yankee shortstop, Mr. Torres, number twenty-five. Who's that? Who said that? I just explained who said that. Okay. So, what you have in front of you is Sefer Shoftim. And as I said, we're going to learn... I put one Oh. Okay. Um, the, um, we're going to learn the whole story uh, at a later time, but this is chapter 19 of Sefer Shoftim. And it says... Vayivi'ehu libeto, they brought him to his house. Vibul lechamorim, and he gave grain to his donkey. Vayichetsu raglehem, vayochlu vayishtu. Hema mitivim et libam, vihine anshe ha'ir, anshe biliya'al nosabu et Very similar phrases. People bili ya'al. It's a pasuk in parshak re'ei. It means people without a yoke have no have accepted no religious authority upon them. Bili all bili ya'al. It's a pasuk used in Tanakh uh, uh, often. They surrounded the house. Mit dabkim al hadelet. They're knocking on the door. Vayomru el ho'ish. Baal habayit hazaken lemar. They said to the owner, "Hotzei etaish asher ba el beitcha v'neidahen." And there, as the story unfolds, we know that it meant meant homosexual relationships. So all of these parshanim claim I understand here. I don't know what it means, so I compare it there, where it's certain as to what it meant. And as a result, they use that interpretation here as well. Now, the phrase, if you go back to page number one for just a moment, um, in the, on the right-hand side, the Maharam, after his headline, he wrote, Pehei. And as I read it, Piresh HaKuntris. Kuntris is a pamphlet. It's been explained in the pamphlet. That is the nickname that Rashi has earned throughout his commentary on the Talmud. It is rarely used to describe Rashi in Chumash, but occasionally by other people. But in the Talmud, every person, the Ramban and, uh, and Toysvis, always Pirish Bekuntras. What Rashi did, Rashi was a very fortunate young man. His parents owned wineries in France. And at the time when he grew up, virtually all of his colleagues went to study in the three great academies in Germany. Worms, Mainz, and Spire. We make reference to those three. On Tishabov, there's a kina about those who were killed during the Crusades and 
um, at least three quarters of Jewish scholars were killed out during the First Crusade. That's how many people were studying in those academies. Rashi survived because his parents didn't let him go to the academy. Because they needed every Jewish hand to work in the field. Because he was handling wine. And you can't have Gentile employees handling the wine. So all of Rashi's employees were Jewish. And what Rashi did was, he wanted them to be able to learn, despite the fact that they work, so that when they whistle while they work, they will be learning some Torah as well. So he wrote a commentary on whatever he was learning, and he wrote it down in a pamphlet. So when you came to Rashi's factory, you got two pamphlets. One are the working conditions, what your hours are, your salary, your health benefits, vacation days, and so on and so forth. And the next pamphlet was whatever Rashi, whatever Gemara or Chumash Rashi happened to be studying at that time. He rewrote the pamphlet three times. Three times. The final version of the pamphlet, thank the good Lord, was taken by a publisher eventually by a publisher. And he printed it on the Talmud. That's how we were uh, fortunate enough to have Perush Rashi on the Talmud. It was not designed for publication at all. I know, it remained in manuscript form. Only in manuscript form. Because there was no printing press till 300 years after Rashi died. But it was recopied, recopied. And in fact, as you well know, when people copy something, they make mistakes. Sometimes they can't understand what the commentator says, so they make their own little adjustments. So there are many times when Rashi begins his statement, Hey Gimel, Hachi Garsinon, this is the way the text should read. And then you look at it, it's exactly what it says. That is the text. So what happened was, there was a different text. And Rashi proposed a change in the text to make things read a little more smoothly. The next guy who saw the hand, the, the, this booklet, the pamphlet, said, hey, Rashi made a change. I'm going to rewrite the Talmud text with the change. So when the publishers finally got a hold of it, they read, they followed this manuscript, which already made a change in the text of the Talmud, and then they put it to the Rashi, which says, this is the way the text should read. You know, without recognizing that, that this happened. So we are very, very fortunate that some publisher picked up this third edition of the manuscript. It was called the Contras. And that's how all of Rashi's colleagues refer to it. Piresh Bekuntras. It's been explained in the pamphlet. Everybody knew the pamphlet was Rashi. Everybody knew. And, um, and, and, and it, it, it is almost impossible today to learn Gemara without Rashi. Almost impossible. It's a little easier to learn Rashi and Chumash without Rashi because Rashi's style as we've seen for the last 30 years is to cite the Midrash so if I, if, I, if I don't understand if Rashi didn't cite the Midrash so I can look it up my, I can look up the Midrash or I can rely on other commentaries but Rashi was one of the earliest commentaries on the Talmud and he far surpassed any of the previous attempts to offer commentary. And without Rashi, the Talmud would have been lost to thousands of people. And it is those pamphlets that uh, were maintained, recopied, and then ev eventually printed. So other people, sometimes they, their pamphlets are not picked up by a publisher. And they... Bec they become library pieces, but nobody knows them. One, just one example before we continue. The Shulchan Aruch, the Code of Jewish Law, authored by Karo, is primarily 
a record of Sephardic tradition. Because Caro himself was a Sephardic Jew, and he used three earlier uh, commentaries to establish his code. He used Rambam, the Rif, and the Rush. The Rambam and the Rif were Sephardic Jews, and they coded Sephardic tradition. So whenever there was some debate, Caro decided, I'm going to follow two out of three. Rambam, Rif, and Rush. Rif was a generation before the Rambam. Some claim he learned with the Rambam. The Rambam was a student. He wasn't. But anyhow. Um, so then the Ramah, I'm sure you've heard of the Ramah from Poland uh, in the 16th century, so, and, yeah, in the 16th century, wrote an Ashkenazic tradition in the Shulchan Aruch. He wrote it on each halacha. This is what the Sephardim say, and our Ashkenazic tradition is X, Y, and Z. And there are literally thousands of differences in the four volumes of Shulchan Aruch. Thousands. The Maharshal, Shlomo Luria, wrote the exact same type of a work as did the Ramah. How many people know of the Maharshal's work? Zero. Yeah, sure, scholars in the base Medrash know about it. But I don't even think we have the Marshal's work right here. So if you want to know what the Marshal said, too bad. I don't think we have it. It's rarely used. Because as the Gemara says, Hakol talui b'mazal. Afilu sefer Torah shebehechal. Even the sefer Torah. We open up the ark every Shabbos and there are six sefer Torah. Which one's going to be lucky that the Gabbai will tell him, oh, take that one out. <laughs> so this one could be used for 40 years. The next one's used when they need three Sifrei Torah. You know? So good Gabbayim will rotate. Every couple of months you rotate a Sifrei to give everybody a fair chance. Because if somebody donates a Sifrei Torah, it's not to sit in your own. It's to be used for Kriya Satora purposes. So um, they're very lucky. We were very lucky that this printer, whoever he was, found the manuscript and printed it in the Gemara itself. Sometimes we don't have Rashi. That manuscript was lost. There are a couple of Gemaras. Tenth parak of Masechet Pesachim. We have his grandson's commentary instead, the Rashbam. Just open up Masechet Nidarim. The Ran wrote the commentary, and he is 50 times more verbose than Rashi. <laughs> so on each page is only two lines of Gemara and 55 lines of the commentary. In Rashi, he says the same thing in two lines. I know, that's what Rashi's greatness is. His brevity and his... Anyhow, that's what the Maram had in mind. Perush Hakuntras. It's been explained in the pamphlet. Where does Rashi come into the Chumash? Where was that? He, no, he did that as a commentary. Again, it needed somebody. somebody of course, somebody had it. But he wrote it intentionally to be published as a commentary, oh. not necessarily as a guide for the people working in his factory. Good. Oh. That's one interpretation. There is a second interpretation of this phrase based on another episode in Tanakh where the word Veneva appears has nothing to do with homosexual relations. Please go to page 40. Severino, who's now out for the year. He needs Tommy John surgery. They gave him a long-term contract two years ago. Five-year contract for 40 million bucks. Last year he pitched three games. Then he was injured all year, pitched three games. This year he will not pitch at all. Takes over a year to recover from Tommy John surgery. And again, of course he gets paid. All contracts in baseball are guaranteed. Not in football. They're guaranteed. He doesn't have to pitch a day of his life anymore. If he rents, he gets his full, full 40 million. Halavai of Inskizukt. Anyhow. In here you have a very famous episode of Sefer Yehoshua. It serves as the Haftarah of Parshat Shlach. What is the main topic in Parshat Shlach in Sefer Bamidbar? The Meraglim. Good. Well, this is an episode 
of the Meraglim in the time of Yehoshua. And look at the beginning of Pasuk Bet. Vayishlach Yehoshua binun min hashitim, shnayim anashim miraglim, cheresh leimor, Yehoshua sent two guys, lechu re'u et ha'aretz vet Yericho. Go scout the land, and particularly Yericho. Fine, and they went to this house of a uh, harlot, her name was Rachav, and they slept there. Then, Pasuk Gimel, Vayishlach melech Yericho al Rachav leimor, so, why do you think he wants to, to take them out? Because he suspects they're, they're spies. So tell me what commentary, what a commentary Taylor might say in our text. In our text, knowing this episode in Sefer Yahushua, how is he going to borrow from that and explain our puzzle? What is so what is Vineda Otami? We'll interrogate them. We will get to know. We will get to know why are they here in stone? What's their purpose? We don't tolerate strangers sleeping around in our house. Maybe they are spies. Just like the story in Yehoshua. In which case, that's why there were only two of them. Only two of them. And um, the accusation that Yosef had against his brothers that miraglim atem, you are spies is actually so unbelievable. I don't mean unbelievable in, an, in a, a tremendous way. You just you can't believe it. Why can't you believe it? Because you don't send 12 spies. That's not what you... I know, but that's why the mission was not a spy mission. The Torah never uses the word... What's the word for spy? Liragel. It doesn't say liragel. It says viaturu. Litayer, exactly. Which means to what? Tour. 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 Just get to know the layout of the land. It was not a military mission. Not a military mission. So that was that mistake. Because, uh, and that's true. Moshe did not intend to send. When Moshe wants to send spies, how many? Two. And the Torah says, at the end of Parshat Chukat, he sent them, Ragel and Eretz Ya'azeh. Because he wanted to spy out the land. That is the way you spy out the land. You send two spies. Not 12 guys walking around in their beckishes. That's not the way you send uh, spies. So Yosef, Yosef, thinking that his brothers were spies, is not really terribly compelling, especially for such a bright guy such as Yosef. And you know, any ordinary guy would say, you know... You don't, you don't just walk up if you're a spy. You're not coming to the king's, uh, to, the, to the assistant to the king in full broad daylight, coming to ask for some food. It's hard to imagine. And um, the, 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 the mission of Moshe was misinterpreted by the ten because they didn't understand what the mission was. They thought it was a spy mission, but it was not. It was Latur et Ha'aretz. The word Latur appears five times in Parshat Shlach. So here, it makes a lot of sense. And therefore, some say, forget about homosexual activity. Let's operate simply al pipshat. This is nothing unusual. You have strangers coming to your house. What do you do? You're worried that these people are spying the land for another government. And don't forget, in the previous parsha that we learned, what did we learn about Sodom? We, we came across Sodom in Parshat Lachacha. In what context? You have to know this. In what context? Who said it? The four kings and the five kings. Exactly. He was one of the five kings who got defeated. And if not for Abraham, he would have been completely overrun. Completely overrun. 
So it's not so it's not so unusual. They used to with being attacked. That maybe they thought these two guys represent another kingdom, and they were planning an attack. That's what it means. Vineda otam. We know that the word like that also What? The word like that. Yes, no doubt. There's no doubt. I'm not questioning Ibn Ezra and Rash. I'm not. They know their Hebrew. Yes, they know their Tanakh. That the word Lidea, Loda, it means Adam Yada et Noah, I mean, Adam Arishon knew his wife. It mean, and then the next thing, they had a child. Uh, so it means to have relations, to know them in an intimate fashion. That's what the word Lodat means. Yes? Well, isn't it also the response in Stalm and in, um, in Shelf too? The response in terms of sending out the daughters or saying, oh, you know, the response. Good, excellent. Is the reason. Excellent, excellent. Should we adopt the position that it was thought to be a potential spy mission? then Lot looks like the biggest moron on the planet. Why is he bringing out his daughters instead? What, what's the simple... See, if it's they're looking for some activity, to have some fun, so now I understand. I'm going to protect my two guests, and I'm going to send out my daughters. We'll talk about that, the intelligence of that decision as well. Uh, but I mean, if the response, if the inquiry was, you know, uh, are these spies or anything, then he looks like a total moron by bringing out his two daughters. That certainly convinces um, Ibn Ezra and the Rashbam and Maram to say, I'm not comparing you to Yoshua, I'm comparing it to Shoftim. A hundred percent. Good. Yes. An unmarried woman. An unmarried woman. That 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 helps three. As you well know, that's a good point. It's a good it's a good point. It as you well know, of the Sheva Mitzvot B'nai Noah, one of the seven mitzvot is you know, a certain sense of uh, of decency and morality in terms of having relations with other women. It's one of the pro the question is which arayot are included? So many claim Mishkav Zachor is considered included in that. Whereas with a single girl, there is no prohibition. In fact, there's no prohibition even according to Jewish law. It's not arayot to have a relationship with a single pre-marital sex is not an isur arayot. It, uh, what is it? Is a three-way machloikis, but I'm not going to go into that now. Yeah. yeah. Also, with the pilegesh even though she was quote a certain the man's pilegesh, but it's not ishut. Excellent. That's a ve- we will talk about the institution of pilegesh when we study that. There is an enormous debate between the Ramban and the Rambam about the institution of pilegesh. We will talk about it. Promise. Yes. Wasn't being hospitable a Middle Eastern trait anyway, though? Okay, so let's take a look at the Ramban. And uh, the Ramban has a totally different interpretation. And he has a lengthy essay which we have to read. The Ramban says on the top of 99 on the right hand side, Vinay Dautam. I just mentioned this briefly. Kavanatam, their intention was, Lichalot et haregel mi beinehem, What they wanted to do is cut the guy's feet off, as was the practice in the city of Stone, where if somebody's feet did not measure exactly to the bed, either they stretched his legs to get it to the end of the bed, or if they were too long, they 
severed the leg to make it uh, fit into the bed. Ki chashvu, and it, the, the Ramban's going to have a long... Last time we just mentioned it briefly, but I want to see his whole point here, because he says something very powerful. Ki chashvu sheba'avur tovat artsam. Because they thought that they came, the people of Sodom thought, that these two people came because of the plentiful minerals and raw materials of this land. Shehi kigan Hashem. Because the Pasuk described it, Sodom, as Gan Hashem, the Garden of God. Vehem hayu mo'asei hatzdaka. They hated people who gave charity. Avolot be'ashro umamono ba'alei. But Lot, who was wealthy, decided to what? To invite them. Oh, alternatively, Shebikesh Mehem Rashut, he asked them permission to what? To house them. O Shekibluhu Lichvod Avraham. Or he welcomed them because what happened? He had a flashback to Uncle Abe. A flashback. Uncle Abe always did this. Always welcomed guests. And in fact, Chazal will say that this act was the single action that saved his life. He did not die with all of the other people of stone because of his uh, inclination to observe the mitzvah of Hachnasat Orchim. Vahakatuv meid shizot kavanatam. Don't think that I'm making this up, says the Rambam. The pasuk will support my plans. Shine emar, because it says, Hine ze haya avon sedom, achotcha. This is the iniquity of your sister Sidon. Gaon savata lechem, vishalvat hashkeit hayala ulibnoseha. They had enormous what? Wealth. And they had tranquility. Shalvat And all of the surrounding, the suburbs of Sodom. The Yad Ani Ve'evyon Lohezika. But to give a helping hand to somebody else, says Yechaskel, they did not do so. That which the Torah characterized Sodom as being terrible dudes, they got God angry and they rebelled about the fact that what? They had everything they needed. What else can a country want if it has assets and peace and quiet. What else can they want? Nothing. But they will moray. They made the poor suffer. Fine. Forget about the person. Skip to the next line. Call me the rabbis said, nah, it wasn't just one thing. They had lots of bad traits. Their final fate was sealed because of this transgression. This was their favorite transgression to violate. Treat guests and poor people poorly. Vigam, now comes your point. Who said that about the other nations? That other nations were charitable. That's exactly what he's going to say. Vigam, kichol ha'amim, osimts dakot im reyehem, v'im aniyehem. 
Every other nation of the region at that time offered assistance to poverty-stricken and to people and to their friends. If they ever suffered, they always helped out. Lo No nation compared to the city of Tzdom in terms of their measure of cruelty. Vida, and now the Ramban goes one step further. Vida, I want you to know. Ki mishpat Sidon haya lima'alat Eretz Yisrael. Why does God react so harshly to the people of Stone? Because Stone is located in Eretz Yisrael. Kihi michlal nachalat Hashem. It is part of the inheritance of God. Ve'ena sovelet anshei to'evot. It doesn't what? Tolerate oivrei avera. This is one of the most famous psukim around in Parshat Acharemo. So open up to Lotaki, correct. Open up to Vayikra chapter Yudchet. Chapter Yudchet. Chapter Yudchet. Chapter 18 of Sefer Vayikra. Of Sefer Vayikra. This is talking about after the parsha of Arayot. Perik Yuzchet is the parsha of Arayot. So the Torah states that if you're going to violate the laws of Arayot, Vatit the land will be contaminated. I will remember its sin about it. Vatoki and and the land will regurgitate, throw up its inhabitants. Says the Ramban, right there, in that passage. Ein Eretz Yisrael sovelet ovrei avera. Eretz Yisrael cannot tolerate transgression. So it's not that God has to do something to exile them. The land itself in the land itself, whatever that means, it's obviously a spiritual idea, is it cannot tolerate transgression. So when you transgress, automatically you're out of here. So if it applies to Jews in Perikyutchet of Sefer Ben Kalvachaymer, that it's going to apply to the Gentile residents of stone. That since they were in such violation of normal standards of decency, the land couldn't tolerate them. And that is why they suffered in the manner in which they did. The Ka'asher, five line, four lines from the bottom. The Ka'asher Takiyatagoy Kulo Mipnei To'evotam. And just as um, the land will. Punt will purge any nation because of its abominations. They were the worst example amongst all of the nations in the Middle East to God and to fellow man. And the heavens and earth participated in its destruction. This was such a, a powerful destruction of the city of stone, it never recovered. Never recovered. Sheba'avur tova nitga'u. 
they became very arrogant when what? After HaKadosh Baruch Hu had blessed them. Became very arrogant. V'ra'ah HaKadosh Baruch Hu Sh'yihiyeh That was it. And he just had another line or two. What did he say at the end? Um, instead of wasting another tree. Yeah. He goes on, he goes on, and he talks about this. Yeah. But that's according to the Ramban. So according to the Ramban, Vineda Otam has nothing to be talking, it's not talking about homosexual activity. It's not talking about spy missions. But what is Vineda Otam? Let us get to know them and treat them like we are known for treating guests. We're going to cut off their legs. We're going to do something horrible to them. Something which no other re- nation in that region is um, responsible for. Responsible for. Yeah. Yes, I, I can't blame them. If that's the policy, yes, correct. And the Ramban just goes on to say, don't think that their neighbors were grace at Sadiqim. They were not great people. They had their own faults. But they didn't treat human beings in such a fashion. And always what bothers HaKadosh Baruch Hu more than anything... It's not when you act rebelliously against him, but it's always when you act rebelliously against fellow man. Always. As Rashi, we learned the Rashi in Noah, that the, the, the Xerah to destroy the world was only on account of the fact that because of their robbing, their cheating, and trying to get away with it and caught them. That's what bothered HaKadosh Baruch Hu most. Not that they were idolaters, which they were, and not that they... This bothered HaKadosh Baruch Hu more than anything else. Good. Let's continue. If you now take, for example... If you look at the left-hand side of the page, take the Radak, and he is the one who uses the precedent in Sefer Yehoshua to explain it here, and he throws in one little punchline. Vayikru'u v'neida'otam mihein. Let's see who these guys are. Ve'eich lo yaru lavola ireinu. How come they had the chutzpah? They should know about our reputation. Anoshim Nachrim. Ratzalomar Sheamru Lehargain. What is Vineda Otam? Let's get to know them and teach them a lesson. And teach everybody else a lesson. That if you're going to try to come into our town, you're going to wind up pushing daisies from the bottom up. Right? Yeah, that's, that's what they do. Yeah. Then he writes at the end, But the Radak is the one who thinks that this is just unusual and Vinay does, we have to get to the bottom of this for having violated our uh, standard. Does this mean that no one ever stayed overnight in... Apparently. Yes. If you go to the last page, which is page zero, Adam Aravino, Yankee picture is number zero. Adam Aravino. You can. It's a, zero is a number. Not many guys have zero as a number, but he does. The Yankees acquired him last year from Colorado, and he was a very good pitcher. When was? What? When was? Last season. Last season. He was a very good pitcher. This year we'll find out. Okay. Does TABC have a season? 
Um, there is a guy on our team, one of our teams, has a zero, yes? Yeah? Yeah. Yes. This is a Medrash Rabbah. Look at, I, sh- I just forgot to bracket it, look at the middle section where it says hey, and go to the third line. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi b'shem Rabbi Pidoya Omar. Rabbi Shua ben Levi, third line. Everybody have it? Yes. Good. Kol oto halayla hayalot mivakesh alehem rachamim. Lot all night, knowing that his neighbors are not going to be tolerating having guests in his house, and especially knowing that these people had some special qualities, that they were malachim, as the text tells us at the very beginning of the unit. He was praying that nothing happened to them. Right. Now, that would lead me to believe that he did not know that they were angels. Why do I say that? Because if they were angels, they don't need his tefillah. These ordinary citizens are not going to be able to uh, bring harm to God's angels. He didn't know that they were angels. That's why he's feeding them matzah and so on and so forth. But he's praying on their behalf. Vahayu mikablim mimenu. So what do you think that means? Vahayu, who is the vahayu mikablim mimenu? What? The people stone were a little tolerant. You know what? Maybe what? Maybe we'll accept Lot's pleas on their behalf. However, Kavan Sha'amru, once they changed their language and said, Hotsi'aim Eilenu Vineda Otamlitashmish, once they said, bring them out so we can have relations with them. Amru lo, they said to him, Od mi lechapo. Who else do you have hidden in your barracks? Kri, read, that's in the text. That's in the text. It says, Od lechapo. We'll read it in a couple of days. Actually, a couple of weeks. It's seven sukkah ahead. So you got to figure in about two months. Um, Kri bay, don't read it od lecha mi lecha opo kribe od mi lecha peh what does that mean? od lecha peh what? no, no no, no it's the opposite are, are you still going to be what? What did he do? What's the comment that he made about Lot? He was So what would be the next question asked by these people? What does that mean? Do you have anything else to say? Anything else that you're going to say to what? To prevent us from doing what we want? At Khan Hayal Rishus Lilamed Sanegore Aleyan up until now, what did we allow you? Maza Sanegor? A defense attorney. We allowed you to be a defense attorney. So let's just play this out on stage. It got dark. They had a little dinner. They ate matzah. And now it's 10 o'clock, time to go to bed. And Lot is sitting there being mispalel, knowing that they're surrounding the house already. And they seem to be, okay, no attacking. At two in the morning, suddenly their, their tone changes. So the Medrash entertains the possibility that Vineda Otam can have multiple meanings. So at the beginning when they ask, who are these guys, Vineda Otam, what might it mean? What my means? They're spies. What in the world are these guys doing? Are they business? But what's going on? We were ready to listen to you. But once 
they decided, now they reinterpret Zinei Da'otam. What do we want with these guys? We're not interested anymore, Trutzen. We want to have some fun with these guys. Mikan va'elech, ein licha rishut l'lameit sanegori alayhe. We're not interested in anything you have to say. When it comes to our fun and our pleasure, you are no longer their defense attorney. We will do precisely what we would like to do. So according to the Midrash, it paints Lot in a very positive vein, having been mitpalel all night, um, and perhaps making some headway as well, with all of his uh, anchesto. But there comes a point where they change the entire focus and are so driven about their desire that they tell Lot, shut up, we don't want to hear any more uh, speeches, no defenses, we just want these people, end of discussion. So on the one hand, it paints them very well, paints Lot very well, and also tells us something about the characteristics of these people. That when you're asking intelligent questions, are they spies, what are they doing here? You know, they're willing to listen. But the moment they're coming to satisfy their flesh needs, they're not interested whatsoever in any discussion. No, we're going to get whatever we want, no matter what you, Mr. Lot, want. And that's how the Midrash reads this particular Pasuk of Vinaydautam and gives Lot an enormous amount of credit, which would be a reason unto itself to, to save him. Because remember that one question that we always ask. We always say, remember why Avram didn't ask for less than ten? So what was what was the answer why he didn't ask for less than ten? Hashem didn't want him to ask it. Remember I told you that ten cops before. Yes. Because sometimes what happens? The righteous die with the guilty. This Midrash is telling us that God accepted his prayers. They were so meaningful that HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided that even though all of them are going to be destroyed, I'm going to let one person say. I'm actually going to let two or three people say. I'm going to, let, I'm going to give a chance for his wife and his children to be saved as well. We'll see what happens, why the wife didn't, uh, what it means she turned around. We'll see what that means. Um, but, so this, according to the Midrash, is a very significant point in Lot's behavior and could very well have been the single reason as to why he is uh, spared the decision against the people of Sidol. All right, we'll stop here. We'll continue next to Vav.